Welcome to the sixth in our series of podcasts dedicated to the new EU Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, CSRD. I'm Rowena Curtis, UK Marketing Manager for Intertech Business Assurance, and I'm joined by Catherine Beer, Regional Director, Business Assurance UK and Iberia. Catherine's going to give us an update today on what the S in ESG means in relation to the CSRD reporting requirements. Catherine's been in the sustainability world for 20 years, previously working with business in the community, the leading CSR not-for-profit helping companies implement and improve their internal CSR programmes. During her 14 years at Intertech, she's worked with all sectors, helping organisations deliver effective and risk-managed responsible supply chains. Having worked globally, but with more of a focus on UK and EU, Catherine has grown into tech's responsible supply chain programmes, supporting regional expansion, bringing to market new innovative sustainability solutions and speaking at many subject matter focused events. Okay, so Catherine, following on from our last podcast where we dived into the environmental part of ESG and specific to CSRD reporting requirements, can you start us off today with an overview in general on what is usually encompassed under social? Sure, thanks Rowena. Um, So as we know, um, ESG is ultimately a framework that companies and organisations use to evaluate and communicate their non-financial performance. Now, there are many reporting proxies and disclosures available around the world, which detail out a number of categories underneath each of the E, S and G areas. Now, they're usually um, similar in nature, just I would say worded differently, um, or some will, will deep dive into some aspects in more detail. But the social risks in sustainability uh, refer to challenges and potential negative impacts that organizations and societies may face in the social dimension of sustainability. Now, these risks can affect a company's reputation, their operations, and ultimately their financial performance, and they encompass a wide range of issues. There are some um, of the main social risks in sustainability, Um, And and I'd like to talk about a few of those and provide a little bit more detail. I have to start with labour practices and human rights, which is probably one of the most notable because the violations of labour rights, including, say, child labour, forced labour, discrimination and poor working conditions can lead to reputational damage, but ultimately legal issues and you know, a side effect of that, of course, is supply chain disruptions. So we have seen a lot of media attention on these matters, um, rightfully, as we continue to educate the world um, that they're not acceptable. And there has been a lot of regulations um, in the forms of human rights due diligence acts, uh, modern slavery acts, etc., in the last few years. Because the reality, unfortunately, Rowena, is that, you know, this situation that we have is still large across the globe uh, when it comes to these points. Now, these laws and regulations are designed to make companies ensure fair and ethical labour practices throughout their operations and supply chains. So that's probably one of the the, the most notable when we talk about social um, impacts. Another um, is around diversity and inclusion. Um, this has taken also, you know, a sort of centre stage position in the last few years, 
and failing to promote diversity and inclusion within an organisation can result in discrimination lawsuits, um, employee dissatisfaction and, and, you know, missed opportunities um, to grow and innovate within your company. Um, So we have seen now a major focus to report on these matters in annual reports. Um, It gets used during recruitment practices to try and attract and retain the best staff and ultimately impacting the way people decide if they want to work for a company. So companies must create inclusive workplaces that reflect diverse um, perspectives that can change industry to industry, of course, in terms of it being more or less proactive steps needed, but nevertheless, it should be a critical one for every organization. I'd probably like to touch upon community relations as well. Um, Negative impacts on local communities, such as environmental pollution or uh, displacement can lead to protests, regulatory actions, and of course, reputational damage. Now, this can be a massive area uh, for some industries. Um, You know, I I don't know if we think of the oil and gas or mining companies, for example, that tend to go into um, underdeveloped areas. Not only do they need to think of the impact, as as I mentioned there, on environment, for example, um, and the disruption that that will create to that society, but also about providing, say, job opportunities, Um, you know, integrating the locals um, in project that's been done um, and and also thinking through, you know, ensuring any changes that are made don't affect them from a long-term perspective. That's very different to say, for example, an IT company, you know, working in a city, uh, you know, in a a building block, um, they will maybe take a different approach to perhaps um, the understanding of how, their services could contribute to something virtually, for example. So, you know, engaging with and contributing positively to local communities or communities that are indirectly affected by your services is essential if you're, again, to be seen as an employer of choice, um, but also use part of your profits to give back to society. Now, there are lots of other areas categorised under social, for example, health and safety, um, even product safety and quality, you know, supply chain risks, data privacy and security, um, and stakeholder relations, conflict minerals, humanitarian crisis, worker strikes. I could go on and on. Um, but maybe one more point I'll, I'll finish on, Rowena, is around, I guess, ethical marketing and advertising, um, which I would say crosses over in the governance section. Um, and we'll hear more um, on the governance piece in the next podcast. But to call this one out, I think there's so much more focus now on misleading or deceptive marketing practices that can lead to consumer backlashes, even regulatory fines or legal action. So companies must ensure that their marketing and advertising efforts um, are transparent and honest. And we're familiar with the term greenwashing, um, you know, really now social washing has become another major problem. So as people do begin to talk about what they're doing in these topics, it's important that, you know, they're substantiated and, and honest. So for me, the top line is that the S, social, in the ES and G, it ultimately represents the social dimensions, focusing on how a company impacts and interacts with people both within 
and outside of the organisation. Thanks. So um, let's just dive into the S in ESG as it relates to CSRD requirements then, please, Catherine. Sure. Um, as we know, you know, understanding and adapting to CS CSRD, in my opinion, is, is going to be a major task for a lot of companies. Um, even those companies that have previously been reporting or disclosing information on their sustainability goals may find that their current disclosure practices could fall short of the new requirements. With many metrics, um, the volume and breadth of reporting requirements, um, you know, has expanded several folds when we look at what's been requested. And for many companies, current social reporting, not for everyone, but for some only covers their own workforce and, and usually quite limited on their value chains or certainly when we think about um you know uh, communities it's it's maybe short-lived to just talking about some community activities they do however under the csrd companies now need to report on on their own workforce workers in the value chain affected community uh, communities and consumers and end users so these four areas have altogether got about 40 KPIs, um, which is all related under this social pillar. Um, so let me give you a bit of insight into what's expected under each. You know, each subsection um, all starts with ultimately the materiality assessment that's been done to understand the impacts on that section. Um, the aim is to focus the company on understanding what policies, processes, measures and responsible parties that they have in place to ensure that all the risks and impacts have been considered and are being managed. Now, under each of these KPIs, um, ultimately, you know, there, there is an ask for either a qualitative or quantitative um, response to explain what's in place today um, or, or what is being worked on um, or what is not yet considered. So this in turn is aimed at showing progress that the company is making to be a truly sustainable organization. Let's um, look at the own workforce point and I would um, talk about employee relations um, on, on this point. So companies, um, they need to report on various aspects um, of, of employee relations, including diversity and inclusion, equal pay, employee well-being, and um, I'll just use the broader term labour practices. So CSRD requires detailed information in each of these topics. So, for example, you know, if I, if I take equal pay, for example, they'll have to report on the gender pay gap. Um, they'll have to look at employee turnover and measures that are taken to promote employee health and well-being. Now, in a recent amendment to the CSRD requirements, only data on non-employees has been made voluntary in this section, so everything else must be reported on. 
Um, it will be exposing a lot of data on a company's makeup, how advanced they are on these matters. Um, and that, that's significant because that could impact, you know, um, how people view their company, you know, from a, a um, being an employer of choice and wanting to work with them. If we move on to look at workers in the value chain, um, CSRD requires companies to report on their efforts to respect and promote human rights, both, again, not, not only within their own operations, but across their value chains. So this includes addressing issues like child labour, forced labour and fair working conditions. Now, the supply chain, um, you know, qualitative and quantitative data this is going to be new for a lot of people. For many, they will have gaps on what they know within their supply chain. And this is a huge exercise to start mapping supply chains, communicating expectations with the supply chains, and then validating that data and assessing the risk identified. Um, there are a smaller number of KPIs listed here, true, but this will be a harder section for many if they don't have a robust supply chain risk management program. And I can actually give you one example. So let's take one of the KPIs. Processes to remediate negative impacts and channels for value chain workers to raise concerns. So the, the specific objective says, the objective of this disclosure requirement is to enable an understanding of the formal means by which value chain workers can make their concerns and needs known directly to the undertaking and or through which the undertaking supports the availability of such channels in the workplace of value chain workers, etc. Now, as we can see, if you've not mapped your supply chain, you've not reached out to them, then, you know, you haven't even got near the point to making sure that there's things like worker hotlines in, in place um, or, or audits for these um, items to be identified. So um, that that's really where not a lot of KPIs, but what you're going to respond on those KPIs will significantly show how advanced a company is. Moving on to community engagement, this will vary so much from industry to industry and company to company, as I've already mentioned. Um, and again, that understanding coming from the materiality risk will be critical to explain how far they should be involved at a community level. So companies should report their uh, engagement with local communities, including contributions to community development, might be around philanthropy efforts or initiatives maybe to address certain social um, issues. Um, and yeah, th there's many ways that they can do that. But again, it will link back to the risks you see of not been involved in the community or doing more, which will determine really how deep you will get on these KPIs. And then finally, on customer relations, um, the CSRD requirements are asking companies to disclose information related to you know, customer satisfaction, who the business directly or indirectly impacts consumers and how consumers can have a feedback channel. So we saw recently, um, just, just the other week, um, the EU bringing in new legislation around the ban of generic um, and emission 
offsetting based green product claims. And it definitely won't be long until this is extended on social matters. So the KPIs on this area are, are quite specific around you looking at the impact to consumers and how consumers are being heard and how that that voice has been taken back in to your risks. And again, I think this is going to be interesting when you hear the next podcast on governance, how this all ties together. So within these 40 KPIs, um, there is a massive push um, to ensure that companies are working towards a robust set of policies and goals to tackle a wide range of criteria, both internal uh, within their company and external in their supply chain while also meeting consumer expectations. Great, Catherine, that all makes sense. In your, but in your opinion, is the social section the most critical? I mean, th there's no part more significant or important than the other, I would say. As, as we've talked about in our podcast and some more detail in the upcoming one we'll have on double materiality assessments, this is where the company um, will complete their materiality risk assessment to judge which factors are of more significance to their business. So it, it is unique and specific to each company. And of course, sectors will have similar risks, but they again can vary. And so therefore, some might have some of the environmental KPIs of more significance and others social more significance, depending on the nature of their business. So social compliance matters um, when not managed right, as we know, can lead to a lot of negative publicity. So it is true that it has a lot of media spotlight over the last few years, um, which I mentioned is an attempt to raise more awareness and, of course, pressure companies to act and take ownership. So enhanced social reporting under CSRD can have a significant impact on you know, um, stakeholder engagement. So it's a good thing um, that it's helping companies really take this to the next stage. And investors, customers, employees, and other stakeholders are increasingly interested on a company's social performance. And by providing comprehensive and transparent information, companies can ultimately build trust, they can attract responsible investors, and they can meet their customer and employee expectations. Thanks, Catherine. Any final comments? Um, I guess just, you know, in summary, the, the S in E, S and G, as it's related to the CSRD requirements for me, is about, you know, emphasising the importance um, of reporting on these factors. Um, and these requirements, you know, are aiming to make sustainability reporting more consistent and comprehensive. And I think importantly, transparent across, well, not just the European Union, hopefully globally, and ultimately reporting, you know, and promoting um, more responsible and socially conscious business practices. Thanks, Rowena. Thank you very much, Catherine, for explaining about what the S in ESG means for CSRD reporting. As a reminder on how Intertech can help on CSRDs, we have four ways to understand your current CSRD readiness. We can help you undertake a gap analysis to ensure you have a clear view of your organisation's current readiness and we'll work with you to find 
clear action plans to address any gaps to prepare you for your first submission. Secondly, through training to ensure everyone understand what's required to prepare for your submission. This can be delivered to a range of different teams and functions across your organisation and will be bespoke to best fit your requirements. We can also provide auditing solutions. In some markets, we'll also be able to act as the auditor of your CSR directive reports as one single provider supporting you from your early preparations through the audit submission. And finally, we, we also have partnered with ESG Playbook, a leading SAS reporting and solution provider, bringing in one tool, all required data collection, aggregation and tracking and reporting for ESG. For more information, visit www.intertech.com forward slash assurance forward slash EU hyphen CSRD. So this concludes today's podcast. Thank you for listening and watch out for further CSRD episodes to help with your journey to compliance. Thank you.